0: What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the I'm a tell like podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed good show for you this week. Recap week ten of the National Football League and all the things that was happening this past NFL Sunday. Uh, recap, of course, my Bengals getting absolutely wild, walloped by the Steelers. On um, preview, the Thursday night matchup happening tomorrow between the Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Of uh, tie a bow on the Masters, Dustin Johnson winning the Masters and Tiger Woods and all in that scenario. And then, of course, the NBA with offseason news. As uh, we will have some, uh, we got trades that I have to get to in this uh, in this program. Along with the NBA draft that is uh, happening later tonight, so starting first things first, we start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the with the uh, with the Week Ten uh, NFL recap. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who got absolutely destroyed, destroyed by uh, by the New Orleans Saints on uh, Sunday night last Sunday came into Carolina, good Carolina football team that uh that to be quite honest with you gave the uh Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions a run for their money. Uh and if a sixty seven yard field goal which had plenty of leg, if it didn't go way wide way wide right, you know the uh who knows how that game would have turned out. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers leave Tampa, go on the road to play uh, Carolina, and they they took care of business as you would expect. Tom Brady and the crew. Tom Brady, 28 for 39, 341 yards passing, three touchdowns, Uh, and Ronald Jones, what an afternoon. He had 23 carries, 192 rushing yards, and a touchdown including a 98-yard run, longest ever in Buccaneers franchise history uh Chris Godwin had a good day as well six receptions 92 yards receiving. Uh meanwhile, Carolina from a Carolina perspective, Teddy Bridgewater had to exit out the game. Uh he was 18 with 18 for 24, 136 yards, passing two touchdowns and an interception. Um if from a Tampa Bay perspective, you know what? This is what uh this is this is what this is what you wanted, you know. You came, you know. You and Bruce Arians got the team together before the game, and he and he said, you know what, this game it goes in the trash. Watch watch the film once, get rid of it because uh, you know because uh, because it, it, they did a absolutely pathetic job that Sunday night at home against the New Orleans Saints uh so what they so what do they do they threw they threw it out and they say you know what next game new week new day let's move on and and you know what it showed tom brady played significantly much better and tom brady also does a phenomenal job of uh, of coming back after where where he lost the previous game by 20 points or more i think he's only lost two games in his entire career uh, in his entire career, where uh, where coming off of a loss of twenty points or more, Tom Brady, of course, you knew he was going to bounce back. And again, the New Orleans, the New Carolina Panthers defense isn't the New Orleans Saints uh, defense, but you still get the idea. Uh, but you still have to, you know, you play who's on the schedule. You still got to, uh, you still got to play the games, and um, and and lo and behold, Tampa Bay went out there. And uh, and took care of business against the uh, Carolina Panthers, and that is item number one. And Carolina gets back, or excuse me, Tampa gets back on track, improving themselves to a seven and three record, winning that game forty six twenty three. Second game to, uh, and the second game that you have to uh, that I'm gonna get to here is the Packers. Um, Winning by the hair of their chinny chin chin against the uh against the one and seven at the time the one and seven Jacksonville Jaguars winning that game twenty four to twenty that game was way too close for comfort if you are a if you are a uh Green Bay Packers fan and Rogers twenty four for 40, 34, three hundred twenty five yards passing two touchdowns uh ran for a touchdown as well in the game only through one interception. Um, and then of course, their receiver Valdez. Let me see if I can pronounce his name properly. Marquez Valdez Scandling had a big game yesterday as well, or yesterday on Sunday with four um, with uh, with four receptions, 149 yards receiving, and a touchdown. That game was way too close. Um, was way too close for comfort from a uh, from a temp from a, a Green Bay standpoint and you you know and you don't and you would hate for uh and you don't like the idea of uh of the fact that you g- gave the jaguars a sense of false hope of uh of making that football game close as it was you know twenty four twenty four twenty and at and at the point in the game they were down uh let's see they were the game was what tied seventeen all in the middle of the third quarter, so if you are a uh if you are a uh a fan of the uh, of the green bay packers got to be a little concerned at the fact that hey we we got a, a one and seven football teams hanging around like this so that so that of course would bother you but when you have rand Rodgers, who the bad man that he is you are you are going to uh you are going to uh end up uh taking home uh, and bringing home the goods uh, as the as the Green Bay Packers take care of business, 24 to 20, and they really have no margin for error. You know, having lost to already, having lost to already uh, the Buccaneers, of course, in that absolute smackdown back in October, and then, of course you got a fight with best record between the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and and uh, and even with the Rams in the mix, and then of course the so the so the Green Bay Packers who should went out and finish the season. Um who should win out and finish the season um uh fourteen and two. Uh who they should finish the seasons fourteen and two that who should win out. But if you are a Green Bay Packers fan, you have to look at it and say, Look, we have a prime opportunity here to take, you know, Drew Brees, and I'm gonna get to him in a minute. Drew Brees is out with a uh you know, with the with the ribs in, with broken ribs and a collapsed lung, you know the Seattle Seahawks really have hit an abutment. You know they've played poorly offensively the last couple of games. They've played Russell Wilson has not been the stellar MVP that he has that he was the beginning of the season. And then of course you you know and then you have to look at Arizona. They're good, but are they going? But you know with the with the inexperience that they have, an inexperienced head coach and an inexperienced Uh, quarterback, you know, are they going to last for good? And the Rams, and nothing scares you about, the Rams defense is very, very good, but nothing scares you about them, offensively speaking. So it's, so the Green Bay Packers really have a key opportunity uh, to essentially run the table and steal the number one seed uh from uh from their fellow uh, nfc compatriots uh they're right now seven and two their schedule and i'm gonna give it to you here uh as i'm talking to you their schedule is not that difficult if at all the rest of the season uh they have the colts this week the bears offense stinks and then they got the eagles who can't get out of their own way the lions panthers hardest game i you could say you could debate would be the titans on uh, December 27th, and then two, and then uh, two days after the new year comes in, they play the Bears on the road. So it, the Green Bay Packers have no reason, no reason, no excuse why they cannot finish the season 14 and two. And I, and and quite fran- and quite frankly, I expect them to finish fourteen and two. And and because of the fact that they only have two losses and they have a much easier schedule than all their other teams, you know the the Saints and the Bucks got to play the Chiefs. You know the Seahawks got to you know the Seahawks play the Cardinals out the, on, tomorrow. And that'll be no easy task. So the Packers could end up getting number one seed by default simply because of the fact they have an easier schedule, and essentially the games that they've lost have been on the back end of the uh, the back end of their schedule, or excuse me, the front end of the schedule instead of the back end of the schedule. But that's where you lie with uh, with the Packers and the. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game or one third item I want to get to here, and I don't want to necessarily waste time breaking down uh Texans and uh, you know Texans and Browns, but the but the thing that that bothered me and and I'm not I'm not a better I do not I do not bet I don't you know I give y'all the, I know the y'all listeners out there To listen to this like the bet which is why I give you the point spread when I do the picks at the end of the show. Uh, every uh, every Saturday, every weekend, but so I'm not a better, and if I was, me betting uh, Browns and Texans wouldn't have been the first game to come across my mind. But why in the world? Uh, Nick Chubb ran 59 yards uh, in the Browns' 10-7 win on Sunday, and he went out of bounds with about with about like uh, what a half a. What a half of uh, half of a, less than a minute left is when he ran out of bounds. Like I don't understand. I understand. And and everyone was all bent out of shape because of the four point spread and with the four point five point spread. So that was a bad beat, and people were all bent out of shape that that the, that the spread wasn't covered with the betting of the, of that game. But I don't understand the logic. You know, Nick. You know, the logic was we'll get out of bounds so you don't. So essentially, that scenario between the Falcons and the Lions doesn't happen. Well, you have to keep in mind the situation. Okay, first off, the score the score is ten seven. Okay, so if Nick Chubb scores a touchdown, it makes it what seventeen seven. There's about a minute less than a minute left in the game, if I remember correctly. The Titans have no timeouts and they're down two scores. 17-7, that's a 10-point deficit. With le- with less than a minute left, no timeouts. So the chances of Deshaun Watson and that inept Texans offense going down the field against the Cleveland Browns defense that's played pretty well the last couple of games, the chances of them going down the field, scoring, whether it's a field goal first or a touchdown first, doesn't make any difference. The chances of them actually going down field and and tying and essentially tying up the ball game is so slim. It's 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 near impossible. Cause you got less than a minute left, no timeouts, and you have to get an onside kick. An onside kick that that is successful. What? Less than 20, Less than ten percent of the time. Less than ten, fifteen, ten percent of the time. It's it's an impossible play, unless you're playing the Atlanta Falcons. It's an impossible play. So the I don't understand Stefanski, I guess Stefanski told Chubb to basically do what he did. I don't understand Stefanski's logic behind it. I don't understand Nick Chubb's logic behind it because scoring a touchdown makes it 17-7 10 point lead Less than a minute left. The Texans have no timeouts, and they have to recover an onside kick in the situation. What ma- I understand that these coaches are all paranoid and say, and are, and are basically are kept up late, late at night in a cold sweat, fearing, fearing, you know, fearing the worst, fearing the impossible could happen in a in a game in a sequence of a game. But they have to be realistic. You know, you held the Texans all game to seven points with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. You held them to seven points, and your defense has played well the majority of the season. No timeouts, less than a minute left, 10-point deficit, and they have to get a two-point... Excuse me. And they also have to score twice and get an onside kick. So... I, I I don't understand, and 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 far be it for me for me to do the uh, the belly aching for the betters and the fantasy people out there, but the but the logic behind Nick Chubb going out of bounds makes no sense. Seventeen seven, less than a minute left. Texans have to score twice in order to tie the game. Plus a, a, an extra point and a field goal, by the way, which with that weather up in Cleveland was no gimme. Kicking an extra point and and of kicking the field goal to get to uh, to to add the seven to add the three onto the seven, so I I I don't understand Cleveland's logic of well let let Nick Chubb go out of bounds. It's seventeen seven. The game is the, the the Nick Chubb scoring the touchdown has no difference and it does not affect how the game ends it has no difference on the game. The Texans lost. Okay? As soon as Nick Chubb got that first down, the game was over. It doesn't matter if Nick Chubb falls at the one or scores a touchdown, the game's over. So that 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 was that was very interesting to me. Uh Chargers so that was interesting to me. Not to break not to get off on that tangent, but I had to get that off my chest. The Chargers and the Dolphins uh, Dolphins, I, I tell you, they're three and two at home at, uh, Hard Rock Stadium. They improved to six and three on the season. 29-21 was the final score. Two attack of Iloa. Again, didn't blow you away, but very, very good. 15 for 25, 169 yards, passing two touchdowns in the game, uh, in that, in the football game. Uh Justin Herbert, twenty for thirty-two, hundred and eighty seven yards, passing, two touchdowns and interception. Then, you know, not one of his best performances. Chargers, of course, having issues with the with the special teams, so that's not anything that's not anything that would uh that would uh surprise that that's not anything that would surprise you. Um and simply put, the Dolphins are right now in a prime key uh, circumstance to maybe steal the division from Buffalo, who had a tough loss against uh, the Cardinals. I'll get to that in a minute, but they also with the ex- with the help of the extended play, they can end up making the playoffs. You know, let's look at but let's look at Miami's schedule right quick. Miami plays right now. They got the Broncos this week, the hapless Jets, the Bengals will give them a hard time. And then they got the chiefs, so then eh, they gotta you know the chiefs and then and then the Patriots, it depends if they're still in it Will they uh and then they play Buffalo to close out the season and the so they could fall off and finish six and ten, seven and nine, eight, and eight, so they could fall off. But it would not shock me if Miami ended up making the playoffs. Would not shock me. Would not shock me. As as for uh, Los Angeles, fall the two and seven on the season, and I believe have not won a. Re- when was the last time the the, uh, the Chargers won a road game? Uh, last time the Chargers won a road game, of course, was Week One against my Bengals, and they haven't won a game since they beat Bat- Jacksonville. Uh, thirty nine, twenty nine. Back in when was this? Back on October twenty fifth. So the char- Herbert's a hell of a player, but they're in trouble. They and I and I don't expect nor should Anthony Lynn be allowed to keep his job. He and uh, no disrespect to Anthony Lynn, but he got you know he's got a guy who's in prime uh position to get uh rookie of the year and you've only won one game with him as starting quarterback. That's 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 unacceptable. That's unacceptable. That's where you stand with the Chargers and the Dolphins. Seahawks and Rams, I tell you, uh I don't know what in the world is going on with the Seattle Seahawks, but they're in trouble. Okay, and as and as an instance, and I'm gonna pick on two, I gotta pick on Pete Carroll and I gotta pick on Russell Wilson. First off, Pete Carroll when the game was, I forget the exact score, but in the second half, uh, it had was it had to have been either tied or uh, it was either tied or it was either it was it was close. They uh, it, it had to been, I forget the specifics, so bear with me with that. But on a fourth and inches, when Seattle has the ball in their own territory, why in the world? And the game was close. And the game was still very much, uh, you know, Seattle was not out that football game. And the game was in much reach of Seattle stealing it from uh, from from uh, Los Angeles. But why in the world did Pete Carroll on a fourth and in inches send you know, Russell Wilson and company out in a single back formation no less to use the hard count to get the Rams to jump off sites. I don't understand. I do not understand that. Fourth and inches, you're within, you're, you're in between their 30, 35, 40-something yard line. Okay, so it's, you're not backed up inside the 10. Okay, you're hovering around midfield, albeit in your own territory. Fourth and inches, your offense has struggled all day long. Give them some momentum, okay, and your defense for a change, even though I let Jared Goff, a throw for over three hundred yards receiving. The defense, and compared to past games that they've played, has played quite decently. Go for it. And so you know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Your defense holds them to a field goal or to, uh, fair. But I don't understand the logic of the fourth and inches. Inside, you know, in within your own territory, close to midfield games, close like that. I forget the exact score, what it was, but and then Pete Carroll decides to send out Russell Wilson for a hard count. Rams don't fall for it, and we're gonna, we gonna punt the football. Really? We well, got Russell Wilson, who for the first half of the season was the league's MVP. DK Metcalf, and you can and, and you can't run a quarterback sneak. It was not fourth and five, fourth and seven, fourth and eight. It was fourth and inches. And he says to send Russ Wilson up with the with the hard count, which rarely ever works. If you're a well-disciplined football team, that you don't fall for the hard count. And what happened? They didn't fall for the hard count. And instead of uh and instead of instead of them saying, you know what, screw it, go for it anyway. They call out, You know, punt the football. Really, Pete? That's what we're doing now. That that, that I, I got to be honest. that that bothered me. I'm super screaming at the TV. Go for it! It's fourth and inches. Quit being chicken. Have the kahunas to go for it. Fourth and inches. Not fourth and five. Not fourth and ten. Fourth and inches. I don't care where you are on the field, fourth and inches. I'm, a, I'm. I, you may call me overly aggressive as a play caller if I was a football coach. Fourth and inches. I don't care what the down is. I don't care what the down is. I don't care whether where I am on the field. I don't care what the score is. I don't care what the quarter is. Fourth and inches at all times. I'm going for it. If I'm down by three, if I'm down by seven, if I'm down by seventeen. 4th and inches I'm going for it. I could care less what the stupid I could, I don't care. 4th and inches is that is so much of a manageable easier enough play to get it's it shouldn't be rocket science. Have Russell Wilson run a QB sneak, have D, or DK Metcalf run a little slant, run a little 5-yard uh little 5-yard dig to get the first down. It's ridiculous. Fourth and inches, Pete. Go for it, for crying out loud! And Russell Wilson. And to Ru- get on Russell Wilson too, who was 22 for 37, 248, and threw two interceptions, not a touchdown pass. Russell Wilson doesn't look like Russell Wilson the last uh, two games. I, here's what I want to tell Russell Wilson, okay? And I, and I love Russell, but Russell, put a what? Stop with the little look. Leave the podcasting. To the people like me that weren't blessed with the ability to play professional football at the quarterback position for a living. Leave the podcasting to us. Leave it to me. Leave it to McAfee. Leave it to Mad Dog Russo. Leave it to us. Barstool Sports. Leave the podcasting to us. The little danger talk podcast that he does. to ESPN. That's fine and dandy. All that. Russell. Save that stuff for the off season, or God forbid, when the world shuts down again, we have to be sequestered inside our own home. Save it for that, okay? The only non-football thing that should take priority for you is your is your family. That's it. Sierra and them kids are yours, and and future's kid who you're raising. That's it, okay? Then no podcasting, and, and, and screw the podcasting, and, and stop worrying about that dopey. Let Russ cook. Uh, trademark and nobody save the goofiness for when it's time to do, to do the goofiness outside of the football season. You've played poorly the last two games you played. You weren't exactly a uh, lights out in the uh, in the Cardinal game about about a about a month ago. Come on, Russell, you were the MVP of the league like like yesterday, first day, no doubt MVP. And all of a sudden you're playing like a scrub. Why? Why? Save the save the trademark. Save the stupid podcast. Save all that for later. There's a time and a place for that. Loser two in a row. I No Seattle Seahawks fan who knows that your margin of error of winning an MVP award because everyone treats Patrick Mahomes like he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Everyone knows that your margin of error... Of uh, when it comes to winning an MVP award, let alone getting a vote, is slim to none. You do yourself no favors when you go ahead and you play like crap, and then you sit up here farting around doing stupid podcast episodes with Matthew McConaughey and and trademarking the "Let Russ Cook" mantra. Come on, Russell, get your parties in order. The only non-football thing that should come above your your job as quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks is your family. That's it. That's the that's the only exception. The podcast, the trade, all the little goofy, intuitive crap. Save that for later. That will be there in the off season when the season's over. That'll that will be, that, will, that will be there for you when the football season's over. Your job, here's your job, Russell. Your job is not turn over the football and not essentially putting your team in the not putting your team in the best position to win. Your job is to put your team in the best position to win and not turn over the football. Your job is to be Russell Wilson. There was an interception in that game. I don't know what the hell Russell Wilson saw, but he th- he threw across it he got a, about within a, a yard of crossing the line of scrimmage. He had a good 15 yards of daylight that he could have ran and slid and gotten some junk yardage. And instead, he gets to about an inch before he crosses the line of scrimmage, throws across his body back left uh, back left side of the end zone, top of the end zone, and he throws it directly to a Rams defender for an interception. I, I, that that stuff from you, Russ, cannot be tolerated and is not acceptable. You can't do it. When you have the ability to move and, and to run like you do, and you're a phenomenal player. All pro, pro bowler, soon to be Hall of Fame quarterback. That's Super Bowl winning quarterback. That's unacceptable. Especially with your experience. You can't do that. got to be smart about the football, Russ. Got to be. Got to be. You can't be that careless. You can't sit up here and try to, you know, win the game with one throw, one play. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to do too much. Cut all the extra crap. Get yourself refocused. Because you're Seattle Seahawks right now. Don't they, as of right now, hold like the seventh seed? Y'all went from the one seed to the seventh seed. And like, like that. There you go. Like that. You got, out after the Cardinal game, you have a cakewalk because you play the NFC least. And you got to kick it up a notch. December 27th when you play the Rams and you have an easy one against the 49ers. So if you're SLC, Se- you're you- if you're Russell Wilson and Seahawks right now, your job is to finish the season 13 and 3. You can't lose these you can't lose these two divisional games Thursday night and then second to last game of the season against the Rams, both at home, you cannot lose those games. And the 49ers, the NFC Lease, and the Jets will be an easy pickings. Your job if you're Russ Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, cut out the foolishness, get yourself refocused, went out and finish the season thirteen and three. That is your job, not the podcast that That stuff will all be there. It's nice, that's entertaining. you know get you, you know spread out your brand. I understand all that. There's a time and a place for everything. And the time and a place right now is for you to get refocused, get in that field room, work your ass off on the practice field, and put the Seahawks in the best position to win and win football games. The only thing non-football related that should come above football is your family. That's it. And being a full-time father and husband is no easy. I say it because my dad says it all the whole time. It's a round-o'clock job as as late comedian bernie mac you see on 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 the uh, bernie mac show it's a 24 hour a day job with no pay and no benefits no pension none of that so i being a being a good father and and and, a, and an active husband and an active father within a household i as i can imagine is already taxing enough make life easier on yourself russ that's, that's, I, if that's taxing enough alongside playing professional football for the Seattle Seahawks at the quarterback position, leader, best player on the team, don't make life harder on yourself and make, more, and make life more complicated and busier than what it needs to be. That should be enough. Playing football and being there for your family. and extra stuff, you can do that to keep yourself occupied in the spring. And in the late winter, right now, your job is to win football games, not asking Matthew McConaughey, you know, where he likes to drink his his wild turkey whiskey at in the mountains in North Dakota. All right. Another team that's in trouble: Baltimore Ravens, who lost the game that that they had no business losing to the New England Patriots, who we thought were dead and down for the count. You know, I'm not saying the winning's going to make the playoffs, but improving the four and five, they sure do keep their season alive. Ravens lose the game, twenty-three seventeen said so it was just just a complete mess, and I and I gotta be fair. I can't put twenty four for thirty four two forty nine two passing outside. I can't put the it'd be unfair for me to put this all on Lamar Jackson. So I'm not gonna do that. What I am gonna do, I'm gonna get on the Ravens defense. Not getting off the field, you know, line New England to drive down the field on them and putting up twenty three points. You know, all the, the two you know, 13 in thirteen the second quarter. 10 in the in the third quarter. I am gonna get I am gonna get on their defense for doing that. I'm also gonna get on their defense for or not going on defense, get on the center, Matt Securta, who uh who who essentially thinks that it's uh you know that he's bowling at the AMF lanes, you know, and doesn't know how to snap the football. I mean, if I was a high school coach, I'd be irate at the pathetic snapping jobs. By Matt Sakura in that game, you know they had a couple of. had a. They had a bad snap to Mark Ingram. They had another bad snap to Lamar in the game. I mean, they're too high. They're off to the side. They're you know, and then it was. And it's been a couple snaps where he simply just slides the ball across the turf. Matt, get your stuff together. What are you doing? All right, you're a professional football player. You got one job. That's not the football. I understand it was a monsoon, but he screwed but he was very spotty with snapping the football in the colt game. So I don't want to hear any any people making excuses when, well, it was raining, it was a monsoon, the ball was wet and flipping and, and I don't want to hear any of that. What was his excuse in a colt game? You're playing you're playing in a retractable roof dome stadium, it didn't rain a centimeter. What what what's your perfect conditions when they played it when that game they played in Indianapolis? What what was his excuse then? Snapping the ball all over the place. Get yourself together. I understand Ravens fans out there, class act, you know, coming after his family. That again, that's despicable and that's taking it too far. But you're you're a grown man playing professional football, getting paid good money. Put your big boy pants on, man up and snap the football better. Will you please? I mean, come on, Baltimore Ravens. You are supposed to, you know, you're in, you're trying to make you're trying to make the, you're trying your goal is to make it to play in the Super Bowl. Got unanimous MVP Lamar Jackson snap the football right Will you please? snap snap the ball. I don't need to see replays. Him sliding the ball across the turf. The ball's going off to Lamar's left, Lamar's right. Mark Ingram can't get a clean handle on the snap. This is elementary, okay? You're a center. You got two jobs: Let's snap the ball right and the block. All right, come on now, snap the ball right and block. It's not rocket science. Get it together. And Lamar had a bad interception at the end of the half, and it's funny <laughs> because, I get, because I had to game because I had the game on in the kitchen while I was uh, cleaning up the dishes after dinner and I said and the Ravens were down what were they down uh 13-10 something like that at uh at ha- yeah down 13-10 at the end of the ha- coming towards the end of the half and I said and I said you know tongue in cheek like yeah, they should let the ball fly a little bit and try to see if they can get a big chunk play and make you know to make the field goal a little easier for Tucker you know cuz he has to kick in the weather and everything else and and my sister sit, uh, standing next to me says, All right, why aren't you say that? You know, if he's gonna do it, he's gonna turn the he's gonna turn the football, he's gonna throw an interception, nah, nah, nah. So lo and behold, it would like a minute two later, and Lamar Jackson throws the ball down the field down the right sideline to Marquise Brown, who's a sad imitation of his cousin Antonio Brown as far as being a top number one wide receiver is concerned. And and was just a horrible, horrible, horrible interception at the end of the half, and uh, and the Ravens ended up going into the locker room with no points, and that honestly was was uh, was Lamar's biggest mistake of the game, because they could have tied the game up at 13-0, and who knows how the game would have went from there on out in the second half if the score was tied at 13 instead of New England being up 13-10. So that 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 was that was a real bad job by Lamar Jackson and the uh, and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh and then before I get to the Vikings and Bears game, it's it's crazy how I nearly skipped over it. How about how about that uh how about that that Cardinal and uh how about that Cardinal and Bill game? The Hail Murray. Kyler Murray throwing I mean and you know what was funny? You know when I saw that when I saw that play being replayed on uh, on Football Night in America uh later that evening. You know what? You know A play first popped into my head when I saw it? I said, you know what? That play is eerily similar to 2015 NFC Divisional Playoffs Packers at the Cardinals when Aaron Rodgers threw the ball essentially ag- to the point where he fell down. Aaron Rodgers threw when he's set up there he grabs the, you know, he's go, the I forget the specifics of the score, but it was to tie the game to center in overtime. Aaron Rodgers is rolling to you know the same way as Murray did. So as a right hand quarterback, he's rolling to his left, going down towards the sideline, and th- and he's the ball to the point where it's where he falls down in the process of the ball being released from his hands or from his right hand. And the only receiver there was Jeff Janis going up against uh, two Cardinal uh, defenders. One of them I specifically remember was Patrick Peterson. He throws the ball. He launches it in the air as high as he possibly can, putting essentially all of his weight into it, falling away from the play. And Jeff Janis somehow being double-teamed sticks his hands in the air and and snatched the ball out the air to uh, to tie the game, and the extra point was made, and the and the uh, Packers went in overtime, and then Larry Fitzgerald had an eighty yard run, uh, had an eighty yard catch and run, and uh, and ended up winning the game two plays later. But uh, that that was back in 2015, and of course prior and then of course earlier in that season, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the uh, Aaron Rodgers had a, threw a hail mary to Richard Rodgers on a Thursday night game against the Lions on the road, and ended up winning. And 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 that was a walk off that ended up winning the game for the Packers. But that was one of the more phenomenal uh, throws and catches you will ever ever see in your life. I mean, what a what a throw! I mean, Kyler Murray, who is who isn't at who isn't at Aaron Rodgers' height, at uh at, at what five nine five ten, going again same thing as Rodgers, you know, rolling down rolling towards the sideline to his left, being a right handed quarterback, putting all of his putting all muscle in just as hard as he possibly can. Throws the ball, launches it down the sideline. Nearly if he would have threw it a couple feet to the left, would have been out of bounds. F- launches it in the air. And DeAndre Hopkins being double-teamed and then, of course, a safety who got to the who was essentially supposed to cover the right side of the field, sprints over to the left side, gets there barely in time, and DeAndre Hopkins sticks up his hands and hauls it in to win the game 32 to 30. I mean that was and that was after Josh Allen went down the field the the uh, the drive before and threw what we thought was a game winning touchdown catch to uh, to Stephon Diggs. So I mean and the and the Bills had and the Bills had victory within their grasp. 21 yard touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs with thirty four seconds left, which made it thirty to twenty six, which we thought would have won the game a game that buffalo had no business winning because josh allen turned over the football throwing two interceptions and then of co- and then of course the the uh, buffalo bills uh being uh, undisciplined with with the penalties who and they ended up committing if i can get this for you ended up committing nine penalties for 69 yards a game that buffalo had no business winning josh allen turned over the football and uh, and and and, and it had penalties which cost them on a defensive and on the offensive side. And then Kyler emerges comes out of nowhere and just chucks the ball as high and as far as it can. And DeAndre Hopkins, who I still don't understand why in the hell uh, Bill O'Brien made that asinine trade, trading DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of Takis. And DeAndre Hopkins sticks up both hands, best receiver in football, snags the, snatches the ball out of thin air, and catches it to win the game. But what a job, what a performance by uh, by DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray won 22 for 32, 245 yards uh, passing. The only touchdown pass he threw in that game was that Hail Mary pass to DeAndre Hopkins to win the game, and Kenyon Drake had a hell of a game as well as 16 carries, 100 yards rushing. While uh, but Kyle Murray did uh run for two touchdowns, 61 carries on the ground as well, and DeAndre Hopkins uh seven receptions for 127 yards receiving, and a touchdown catch. Of course, was that Hail Mary play, and that's where you stand with the Cardinals and the Bills. And the last side of business, then we'll take a break. Then I'll preview uh Seahawks and Cardinals and uh, recap the Bengals game. Was the uh I, I tell you this game is not going into the the vault. In the uh, fifty-year, fifty-one-season history of Monday Night Football, I mean that Viking and and Bear game—a complete bore. I—they I, got to stop putting these mediocre teams and putting these lame duck uh, teams on Monday Night Football because it is not a major draw. It is not a big-time matchup. The games are never good. They're competitive, but they're never good. You're not now. Not enough hot, not enough offense, not enough scoring. There's just boring, dull football games. And uh, Monday night was no different. Vikings winning the game 19 13. Kirk Cousins by default because the Chicago Bear offense is just so inept and, just, and it's just so pathetic that they, uh, it had, that essentially Kirk Cousins broke his Monday night football losing streak by default. Uh, and they won the game nineteen thirteen. Kirk Cousins wasn't exactly uh, Brett Favre, or Fran Tarkenton, or Warren Moon in the game. Twenty five for thirty six, two hundred ninety two yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception. Dalvin Cook had a decent game. Hurt him, hurt himself earlier in the game, or excuse me, late in the game as well. Had 30 carries for 96 yards rushing on the ground, and Justin Jefferson, what a rookie stud that guy! He has eight receptions, 135 yards receiving. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bear offense is just a complete joke and it's just a complete disgrace. I mean, they are inept, they are inconsistent, they are an absolute eyesore to watch. They can't put the ball in the end zone. They had to rely on Cordell Patterson scoring their only touchdown in the game. That was a kick return to begin the second half. They cannot put the ball in the end zone. They have a hard time putting up points. The defense, of course, is a great defense. But what's the point of having a great defense if you can't put the ball in the end zone? You know, defense can't do all can't defend and and be your offense and provide the scoring for you. I mean and the bear and the Bears, uh to quote to quote the uh the late uh Dennis Green, uh may he rest in peace. You know, the Bears are who we thought they were. I knew when they started 5-1 and one that that was a fraudulent and a misleading 5-1 and one record. You know, beating the Lions, the Giants, the Giants were awful, awful at the beginning of the season. Falcons blew every, you know, blowing leads left and right, blowing leads known to man. They got lucky beating the, uh, I guess, we have Nick Foles and Tom Brady on the same field. The team that Nick Foles is on is going to beat them. Not to mention Tom Brady didn't help himself, didn't help matters. Uh, not knowing what down it was at the end of that game, and of course they beat the Panthers, who are a gritty team and a gutty team, but they uh, but they are a rebuilding team. So we all knew anyone with a brain, anyone who paid attention to the Chicago Bears this year, knew that they were go- that knew that they were a fraudulent five one football team. You start playing the real teams: the Rams, the Saints, the Titans, and uh, and the Vikings, who are looking to uh, save their season. You knew they couldn't deliver the goods because their offense is just so inept, and it doesn't get any easier. They, the they gotta play the Packers. They gotta play the Packers. They gotta they gotta play the Packers uh, after the bye week, and then they got to uh, and they gotta play the Lions, which eh, and then the Texans, which they should they should be able to take care of, the, and then they play the Jaguars, who stink, and then they have uh, and then they have the Packers. So, maybe they get into the playoffs, but it's going to take a chicken wing and a prayer in order for them to make it into the playoffs with the highly competitive NFC, especially in the NFC West. And, of course, the NFC South has two playoff teams, and it's going to, it's going to take a chicken wing and a prayer. It's going to take some divine intervention for the Chicago Bears, who look like they were in prime opportunity to get to the playoffs as a wildcard team. Now, since they have played themselves out of it because of, because of the fact that uh that they've been inept and they just and they had and they can and they can't score. Uh they played they they had a tough grit they had played a tough grit game against the Saints, but it wasn't enough as they fall to 5 and 5 on the season. Take a break recap my Bengals and talk preview Cardinals and Seahawks this is now the Metallica TIS podcast. Don't go, don't go anywhere back after this. back to the Amatelicat is podcast switching gears now recapping uh the joke that was uh my Cincinnati bengals getting absolutely sorry about that getting absolutely slaughtered slaughtered by uh the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday a team that has owned us and that has beaten us consecutively. Since December of 2015. That was a game where Andy Dalton broke his thumb and A.J. McCarron took over. And of course they beat us what like three weeks later in the playoffs. And and that's a game that's uh that's that's haunted me ever since. But you know <laughs> here's the story with the Bengals. They 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 they, they just I I I had to turn the game off to be quite honest with you. I had to turn the game off, uh, when they when they when they when the score was twenty when the score was twenty nine to seven. I I I I I cannot. I understand it's rebuilding. I understand. I didn't expect this team to compete. I I get that. I understand all that. But good God, man, y'all have gotten beat. I don't know how many times. So, let's well, hey, let's do the math. Two times in twenty fifteen, you include the playoffs. Two times in sixteen, that's four. Two times in uh, seventeen, that's uh, that's six. Two times in uh, eighteen, that's that's uh, what nine nine three, and that's eight. And then two times in two thousand nineteen. That's uh, that's ten, and then once in two thousand nine, in two thousand twenty, that's eleven. They've lost eleven straight games. They have not won a game against Pittsburgh since two thousand, since the beginning of the two thousand and fifteen season. This is no rivalry. I understand. Ooh, p Pittsburgh and Bengals rivalry. This is not a rivalry. Rivalry is when the two teams go at each other back and forth and give each other hell. And, is, and there's and is give and take. Uh, you know, a team may win three in a row, three in a row, one one time or another. Another team may win. You know, they, they, there's some give and forth, back and f- give and take. You know, Bengals, Bengals, Ravens rivalry, back and forth. Bengals uh Bengals Browns rivalry back and forth. There's no back and forth to the Steelers and the Bengals. They have kicked our behind each and every single time they've played us. Bottom line, they've beaten us every single time for the last five years. When's it going to change? When is it going to change? Joe Burrow, and and here's another thing that's bothering me too, okay? Joe Burrow should not have to be immaculate and should not have to essentially win games by himself, okay? There's 10 other guys that he plays on the field with and 11 other guys on the defensive side. It's got to learn how to carry their weight too, okay? Joe Burrow is not a one-man team. He doesn't think like that. He doesn't play like that, so... uh, so you can't put all the weight on Joe Burrow's shoulders. He's a rookie after all. Still learning ins and outs of the intricacies of the National Football League. So and 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 the and the weather wasn't exactly perfect either. Windy, and you had no Joe Mixon again. So you cannot you, 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 can't, you can't put it all on the lap and all on the shoulders of Joe Burrow. You can't do it. You gotta learn how to run the football without Joe Mixon, and your defense has to do a better job of getting off the field and, let, and not let Brent Rocklisberger throw throw go twenty seven for forty six for three hundred and thirty three passing yards. Thirty seven years old with a surgically repaired elbow. My God, I mean, come on, y'all. Four four touchdown passes. This is what, this is what we go, this is what we're doing now thirty six to ten and don't get me started on Alex Erickson at the beginning of the game muffing a snap that that fell right into his arms Don't get me started with that catch the ball protect it My goodness gracious It falls right, right falls right into his arm. Look, oh, dropped the ball for him. I mean, really? It 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 really is. It's I I swear, I swear. this 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 team's gonna be the death of me. I swear. I mean, there's not a single positive you could have taken out of that football game. The offense was inept. The defense was pathetic, especially the secondary. We need mixing back ASAP. And this is why I had such a huge issue with whoever runs the Bengals social media. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But whoever was running the Bengals social media, this is why you don't poke the bear. Okay? The Bengals, whoever runs the Bengals social media pages thought it was a brilliant, genius idea. I guess they're busy, you know, coming up with things to to talk about on the bye week. You know, I thought it was a bright idea for them to post a video of T.J. Huchmanzada Zada back in 2005. You know, shining his shoes off with the terrible towel, and thought that was a brilliant idea. But if anyone who's running, anyone who's in that Bengals organization should already know, someone, his boss, uh, B- Mike Brown, someone should have told his to source, like, "Hey, hey, you idiot! Do you realize? Do you realize what happened after T.J. Hudson Zada did that with the terrible towel? Carson Palmer got his knee wrecked, and we lost the playoff game." And we, we lost a playoff game should have won won our division and people then argue that they should have won they should have won the super Bowl that year so 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 so, so when, when when will you learn when will this this the thing with this team that angers me to no end they never learn from their mistakes they they never learn they never learn you do not Antagonize your opponent. You don't do it. You don't give them bulletin board material, and expect them not to one air out the other for them to take it, and then expect you all to and expect y'all to win. It doesn't work that way. You poke the bear. You antagonize your opponent. You gonna pay for it, plain and simple. You don't. You don't think Tomlin showed his football team that we have not beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers in five years. We are not exactly in a position right now to stick out our chest and and, 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 and to do the math. Mm-hmm, Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're not in a position to do that right now. We haven't beaten them in five years. We went 2-14 last year for us all picking a draft. I understand we got broke, but let, let's, let's, uh, let's not get bigger than our britches. Let's check our ego at the door. Okay, just because we have Joe Burrow doesn't mean the, the you know that we're the hottest that we're the hottest best team in National Football League. That would go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. who haven't lost the game since Week Seventeen against Baltimore last December. So again, yeah, I, I I I just I don't understand that. What and you know good and well that if you use that terrible towel and like the quote unquote disrespected. I don't know what it is about it, but it, it's got it's like it's, it's got magical powers. And if that team, and if the Steelers end up playing or facing that team again, not only do they beat them, they absolutely destroy them. And more times than not, they also end up going to the Super Bowl. So thanks for that. But there's no rivalry. There, there's no rivalry. Rivalry is when is when the Bengals, you know. Straighten up and fly right, and, and punch the Steelers in the mouth a couple times. Instead of the Bengals being, you know, a little train that could and end up all they are is just the Steelers' doormat in the division. Bengals go fourteen and two. The two losses they'd have on that in the, in that season would would be to the Steelers. them if they go fourteen and two, like they can't beat them, and that's an issue. They cannot beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that is a problem. And you cannot expect to compete in this competitive AFC North with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield and the Browns, and the Steelers who have to, who somehow, someway still figure out ways to win football games. You cannot be competitive in this division and lose to the Steelers. You just cannot do it. You cannot do it. And let a 37-year-old quarterback with a surgically repaired elbow throw four touchdown passes for 333 yards. That's unacceptable. You can't expect to win football games that way. You can't expect to win divisions that way. You you can't expect to win championships that way. And stop putting all the Putting all of it on the shoulders of Joe Burrow. The other other 52 guys that he shares that locker room with have to step up and carry their weight too. Alex Erickson quit fumbling the football at the beginning of the game. Easy, simple punt falls right in your hands. You drop it on the ground. See, see, it's, it's it's that little stuff like that is what sends me to 100 and pisses me off. So, it, it, Mike, come on, man! You're professional. You practice this. Catch the ball cleanly. The last thing the Steelers team needs is for you to turn over the football nine thousand times. But the Bengals ain't play what Washington on Sunday, so they'll they'll bounce back then. But the, but this losing to the Steeler crap has 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 got, has got to end. It it has to end we cannot expect to compete for a division, cannot expect to be successful, cannot expect to win if we cannot beat teams within our own division. Case closed. Second item of business, Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. This uh, the Arizona Cardinals of course coming off of their uh their win last second via the Hail Murray on Sunday uh going on the road to play the Seattle Seahawks. Y'all of course remember If uh, the last last time these two teams played in Arizona, uh, this thing went, 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 oh, good God, I cannot speak. These two teams, last time they played, what, about three weeks ago? When they played on Sunday night in Arizona, that game went way deep into the night, and the Cardinals won in overtime. Uh, If I can get that final score for you guys, I will get it right now. 37 uh, 34 was the final score of that game. Of course, Russell. Of course, that game was also remembered for the DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker and, and 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 Russell Wilson turning over the football. Which essentially this is where this stream of bad play from Russell Wilson began. Was with uh, Russell Wilson turning over the football. Uh, you know, throwing interceptions left to right in that game. And then of course his play has kind of gotten worse. As the C you know, you know, he got back on track in the forty nine game, but outside of the forty nine game, his play has essentially gone down the hill from there. Uh, as they head, as they uh, come back home on a short week Thursday night, going up against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, of course, both teams of these, both of these two teams are six and three on the season. Cardinals have the tie bre- Cardinals and the Rams have the tiebreaker over the Seattle over the Seattle Seahawks because they've beaten them both. Um this is the second and the final meeting unless these two teams play each other in the playoffs. Uh the second and last meeting of these two teams going to be a very intriguing. I honestly might be one of the best Thursday night football games of the season. Thursday night football isn't exactly um you know, though, though that's like the bottom of the barrel as far as uh, as far as prime time football is concerned. But that can end up being one of the games of the year. A lot of the game was back in Glendale on October twenty fifth. So I t- you got Kyler Murray. Uh, you got Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Both of these guys are complete studs. Um, one of the, one of the best. Uh, I wouldn't call Russell Wilson a young talent, but one of the best uh, quarterback talents this league has to offer. The Seattle Seahawks defense stinks. Uh so you will best believe that Colin Murray is gonna have a day and is gonna have a, a game of his life going up against uh, the Seahawks. He doesn't have to deal with the twelfth man and the crowd noise because of course coronavirus, no fans. So and typically, you know, that crowd be given uh, be given the Cardinals hell prime time game at night. Uh, you know, home home packed house, twelfth man, everything else. So typically he'd have to deal with that, but it will but that state will be as quiet. As a uh, as a church mouse, as a church mouse, which uh, which will be the Arizona's benefit, and then, of course having to go up against the pathetic Seattle Seahawks defense, which is ranked dead last in the National Football League. Um but the offenses will be flying high. Seahawks ranked fifth in offense and in passing. Seattle or excuse me, the Arizona Cardinals offense ranked first in National Football League, fifteenth in passing, first in rushing. So that'll be a very intriguing and very uh vital uh football game as far as uh who play who wins the division, who's seated where in the NFC playoff picture and all of that. Uh, is concerned so take a break come right back and I will talk Dustin Johnson and the Masters coming up right after this I'm is podcast. Switching gears now to golf, right quick, because we, uh, of course, talked about it with the uh, with the Masters that was this past weekend. Um, tie a bow on the uh, on the Masters, take a break, and then we'll get to a potpourri of items in sports. Uh, you got an issue as far we got, you know, with the Giant. Apparently, Joe Judge, an assistant coach, got into a fight uh got into a fight today. I'll talk about that. Of course a couple items to get to as far as Major League Baseball is concerned and of course uh NBA offseason uh happenings happening there and uh and then that's how we will close out the program. But first things first um get to the golf and tie ribbon around uh around the twenty twenty Masters Which will be, which is the last major of the uh, of the year, and will be the first major of the new year, uh, come August of uh, August, April of two thousand and twenty-one. Justin, in case you didn't know, Dustin Johnson won the whole thing. He uh, broke a Masters record of two seventy set by Tiger Woods in nineteen ninety-seven and tied by Jordan Spieth in two thousand fifteen. He shot at two sixty-eight uh and all of his 72 holes that he uh that he played at the masters he uh finished he finished the day uh with a let me see if i can get this for you finished the day with a 68 finished the day with the 68 and played real real well throughout the entire tournament i mean just was just flawless no drama uh, you know, cause he essentially, he ran away with, he ran away with it late. No drama, uh, was not competitive. Uh, I, t- it, I, I got, and I'm gonna get to Tiger in a minute. No drama, non-competitive. He basically sealed up, uh, he basically shut down the, any competition that he may have had with that tournament on Sunday. And he went away with it, uh, clearly. And so congratulations to Dustin Johnson winning the 2020 uh masters for the first time in his career tiger woods on the other hand was uh was uh you know fell out of you know he on uh on friday and saturday you know he didn't play poorly he didn't play poorly uh or not friday yeah not friday and saturday friday th- thursday he played one of his best rounds of augusta he's ever had in his career and he basically stayed, and he basically was okay. You know, finished with a minus one on Friday, Saturday he finished at an even par. He bogeyed the eighth hole, and he bogeyed the eleventh hole, even though he did, he did birdie the twelfth and the fifteenth, which made it better. Uh, and then, but then on Sunday, Tiger, you know, he he was doing fine up until his first four holes. And then I go, and then I go, you know, because it started early on Sunday because they had to, because CBS had to, you know, make accommodation with the NFL and everything else. I go, I leave to go, I leave to watch the, the church, you know, good Jesus boy, as Brandon likes to say, go, go to the church. And of course, with coronavirus, I'm not not a chance in hell me and my family are risking each other. You can you can have church anywhere, to be quite honest with you. It says it in the Bible if y'all want to come back and attack me, but that's not the end or there. I go down, I leave um I leave my bedroom. I had it streaming on the master's app on my iPad. Go down, go downstairs to watch church. Church ends. Come right back, and I look and I see that Tiger Woods shot a 10. 10. On the 12th hole. And hit the ball into the water three times. And bogeyed holes 5, 7, and 10. So think about it for a minute. Tiger was doing decent. I had a slimmer of hope that he, that a miracle could happen. Because after last season. And what craziness happened last season. And of course it is 2020. Ain't thinking, so I was like, well, maybe he can make it interesting late in the day. Because, you know, he played what he he birdied the second hole. And he was playing well first four holes of the game. Go to church. Come back from church. I said, I look I see he hit a, scored a ten on the twelfth hole and hit the ball into the water three times, and that was it and and that was it for Tiger and then and then lo and behold holes thirteen through eighteen he plays one of his best you know he it's it's birdies and he parsed the he pars the fourteenth birdies the thirteenth and birdies holes fifteen through eighteen to uh, to to end his round finishing out a plus four for the day. And uh, and finishes minus one, just under par for the entire tournament. So and and then and then, and then the extra solo on the wound is that Tiger had to stay because of course with the green jacket ceremony, he puts on the green jacket and he has to put the jacket on Dustin Johnson. But uh, but that's where you stood with the Masters. The ratings for that for that for the final round of the Masters lowest since. 1957, declining 51% from Tigers' win last year and 57% from 2015. Uh, Joins the World Series, NBA Final, Stanley Cup Final, U.S. Open, Triple Crown, all setting all-time low ratings uh, for their uh, their, uh, respective events during this uh, coronavirus season when they when all of those uh, events were put out of place because of said coronavirus. So, and this will debunk the, uh, not the myth, but this will debunk the narrative that, uh, you know, people are not watching sports because athletes are protesting. Well, I I watched the Masters from start to finish, from Thursday morning to, to Sunday morning. All stuff, round the clock streaming it on the iPad and on the phone on the Masters app, and not one time that I see a protest, and not one time did anyone that not one time anyone bring a Black Lives Matter and they were being interviewed, not one mention of Breonna Taylor, not one mention of George Floyd, no Black Lives Matter T-shirt or cap was was worn, no kneeling, no national anthem being played, no kneeling during the national So, you know, for Ted Cruz and, and and Clay Travis that thinks that, well, it's because of the, it, the, only, the only reason why ratings are down is because people are protesting. That's not the case. The reason is Clay and Ted is the fact that there's a pandemic going on and people, believe it or not, have bigger and more higher priorities than sitting around watching sports all day. Which which I totally understand. The World Series, though, would scare me because unlike the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final, the U.S. Open, and the Triple Crown, that you know, the World Series is played in mid to late October. The NBA Finals is not played in October. The Stanley Cup Finals not played in late September, early October. You know, U.S. Open and the Triple Crown. There's that U.S. Open golfers, a U.S. Open tennis. I'm reading. Off of a headline here, but it doesn't make it specific. If it's golf, okay, fine. Tennis, they played it as they played it, uh, you know, as per normal in late August, early September. But there were no fans, of course, at that event in uh, in Queens, New York City. So, and 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 and, and to be fair, no one is going to run to the. No one's running to the TV to go watch uh, Dustin, you know, when when people found out that Tiger Woods was essentially playing well but out of championship contention, you lose you lose about 80% of the audience right there. You know, no one is going to run to the TV or you know going to put up on load up the uh, Masters app on their phone or an iPad to watch Dustin Johnson play. Unless you're Mike Babchik who only wants to see Dustin Johnson play, so when he's finished and he, you know, after he handshakes his caddy and the opponents and puts the green jacket on with Tiger, you know, uh, Paulina Gretzky runs to him in in a, in a tight uh, Adidas sundress, and so Mike Babchick can uh, can uh, foam at the mouth over that. But n- no one in America runs to a TV to go watch Dustin Johnson play golf. Tiger, yes. Dustin Johnson, not a chance. Again, unless you're a bad chick and you want to see uh, Paulina Gretzky nine thousand times. Take a break. Come right back. Wrap up the show. Coming up, this is the Amatellicatius podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica T.I.S. podcast. Switching gears now, i got a couple of items of business I want to get to uh, before we say goodbye and close out the show. And thanks again for listening to the Amatelica T.I.S. Uh, podcast. I've um, got a couple items to get to as far as baseball is concerned, and i got an item of football, and then, of course, the NBA. Theo Epstein, the GM. For the Chicago Cubs, that helped build uh, that team that defeated the 100 and what a 108-year curse, he stepped down earlier this week as GM of the Chicago Cubs. He'll take a year off and then see if he wants to do any other. Uh, Work with another uh, baseball organization later on in his uh, in his career. He's uh, he's 46 years of age. Still got plenty of uh, I would imagine his career is still well ahead of him. Well established in GM already. You know, if he were to retire tomorrow, say you know what, that's it. He'd go into the Hall of Fame considering that he's won three championships and constructed two rosters that have broken curses, the '04 4 Red Sox and, of course, the 2016 Chicago Cubs, as he steps down as GM for uh, the Chicago Cub franchise and will, it looks like, take the 2021 season off to uh, regather himself and to get himself organized. Um, Robinson Cano, this news broke while I was in the middle of recording this news. Of a Robinson Cano, second baseman, of course, of the New York Mets, formerly formerly of the New York Yankees and the Seattle Mariners, he is suspended for the entire 2001 MLB season because he has tested uh, positive, not for coronavirus, no, I mean, 2020, you hear test positive, all of a sudden you think corona, but no, he is suspended for the entire 21 season two thousand twenty one season for PED use. So he uh says goodnight and that's the groff Robinson Canoe and his uh in his twenty twenty one M O B season before the clock strikes midnight on January uh first of tw- of twenty twenty one. Uh last item to get to and then I'll get to the NBA. Joe Judge and offensive line coach Mark Colombo got into a verbal altercation Prompting and Joe Judge firing him. Uh, not too much has been said since uh, Joe Judge. Of course, he is the head coach of the New York Football Giants. Um, uh, lost the or they excuse me took care of business against the Philadelphia Eagles um, on uh, on Sunday, t- and beating them by the final score of a twenty seven to seventeen. They're three and seven. Uh, On the year, but got into an argument with offensive line coach uh, Joe Judge. Fired him, and uh, when when the news breaks of that, more details come out. I will of course talk about that uh, on uh, Saturday's uh, podcast. Uh, Switching gears now to a league that we have that I have not talked about uh, heavy since uh, since October when the NBA finals are played, and that is. 2020 NBA free agency and you got trades and of course you got the draft tonight. Um uh just get to a couple of items here. Pelicans traded uh, the Bucks would send uh, Bucks sent Eric Bledsoe and George Hill plus three future first round picks to New Orleans for shooting guard Drew Holiday. Pelicans of course looking to compete with Zion of course trying to make it into the playoffs as a bottom uh, as a bottom tier seed uh, this upcoming basketball season. While the Milwaukee Bucks trying to win a championship, doing everything in their power to make sure that Giannis doesn't uh doesn't leave them and go off to Golden State or or any other team like that they want to keep Giannis in Milwaukee so that would explain those moves there, um Rockets uh Rockets send uh, Robert Covington to Portland for Trevor Ariza and a 2021 first round pick and a 2021 first round pick so that's the story with the Rockets also and I'll get to the Rockets and uh and uh, James Harden in a minute. Um. Uh. Chris Paul and Chris Paul traded to. Uh. Traded to the Phoenix Suns and Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, and Jalen Lachique, in a twenty twenty two first round pick. Uh. Sent to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder, of course, uh, make having a surprise season. Uh. Having a surprise season, Chris Paul essentially resurrecting his. Uh. His career, which is why the Thunder got so much for him. Uh, in that trade with a phenomenal season that he had, leading uh, leading the Oklahoma City Thunder to the playoffs uh, this past uh, this past fall, uh, and then of course let's see if I got any other things for you. Let's see. I'll get to James Harden and Russell Westbrook in a minute, and of course you have Daryl Morey, who's of course the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers uh, executive, and that's all we stand with the NBA. Now, as far as free agency and trades and all that sort of stuff is concerned, um, when it comes to Russell Westbrook and uh, and uh, James Harden and the Rockets, okay, James Harden saying that you know he doesn't want to be a part of the Rockets organization because the owner's of Trump supporter. Well, how did you know? How did how did James Harden just find that out? So, I'm not I'm not crushing him on that. You know, he can do what he wants, but. I, I call Bull on that being the reason why he wants to get out of Houston. I The reason why he wants to get out of Houston is because his coach is gone, the GM's gone, and he realizes that as he's coming down the turnpike on his career, and he still hasn't been to a NBA Finals yet, let alone, or excuse me, I want... And knowing that he hasn't won an NBA Finals yet, and and his and his clocks tick on his career, he figures to essentially take the easy way out and go the cheap route and team up with Durant and Kyrie Irving and and try to measle his way into Brooklyn, which which I which if I'm Brooklyn, that is the last thing I want. Okay, Karev and Durant, fine, but two guys that are me guys that want the ball all the time and Kyrie Irving. And uh, Kyrie Irving and James. These two guys cannot, under any circumstances, play side-by-side amongst each other and expect to coexist and expect the Brooklyn Nets to do well. They just can't. Those are two guys, me guys, weird guys ego guys that want the ball that want the basketball in their hand every single possession and there's only one basketball and there's three of them there's one James Harden, one Kyrie Irving and one Kevin Durant. That if the if the Brooklyn Nets sign off on that and actually accept the trade James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets should might as well just take themselves out of the running of winning an NBA championship because you cannot under any circumstances winning an, win an NBA championship with James Harden on your team. You can't do it. He didn't win with Oklahoma City and he isn't and he hasn't won in Houston. A bona fide, bona fide playoff choker. Okay, and 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 was terrible. And uh, what was that? Game six, game six, I think game six or game seven against Oklahoma City, where he couldn't throw the ball off a boat into the into the uh, into the Gulf of Mexico, he, and yet he made one great play on defense to save the game. And all of a sudden, everyone wanted to crown him as defensive player of the year. Nonsense. Okay, he. He is, he is, he he can, he is a terrible playoff performer. Shoots the, you know, bricks, bricks more threes you can shake a stick at. Wants everyone to go gaga and to go crazy about his greatness because he drops 50 on the Phoenix Suns in a, in a cold, uh, Wednesday night in the middle of February. Nobody cares when the lights shine the brightest. And when it it comes time for James Harden to show up and approve his muster as a as a quote unquote hall of fame worthy player, hall of fame talent. He never does it. He is a bona fide bona fide playoff choker. He's proven that all you gotta do is watch the games, look at the stats. He has not proven to America that he is a championship caliber player. He will he will have you he will have you play competitive basketball through eighty two games throughout the regular season and he'll win you some basketball games. He will have you competitive. He will draw the local fan to the arena to watch him play. I'm not disputing that. He will make the team respectable. He will make the team watchable. He will make the team competitive. As far as winning a championship, James Harden is the last guy. The last guy I would want on my basketball team. Especially with the nutcase Kyrie Irving that still thinks the world is flat. And Kevin Durant, who... Who didn't? You know who didn't say I'll go to Brooklyn by myself and prove I can win by myself. No, no, no. He took he took LeBron's right hand man Kyrie Irving with him. Those three, those three personalities, those three egos cannot coexist. Okay, and just because you play well, just because you play well three on three, you know on you know on Venice Beach. You know, in in Venice Beach, quarantine with masks on in the middle of uh, in the middle of August and the middle of September doesn't mean it's going to translate well into. Uh, it Doesn't mean it's going to translate well in the NBA w- with with an inexperienced coach as, as in Steve Nash to boot. Now that that's a recipe for disaster. If if Brooklyn actually goes up their way to go get James Harden, a disaster, a disaster. And again, Russell Westbrook, same thing. The only difference with Westbrook is that you know he goes out there, he get he get he gives you his all. So he so he he's a, he's a little bit more of a grittier and a more uh, uh, I don't want to say tough, but more of a. Uh, he he he's a grinder, you know, he goes out there, gives you an effort, he goes out there, plays all eighty two games, he puts on a show for you. he's a competitor, so you like that. He's got that dog in him, Westbrook, which you like. Problem is he's no good he's no better of a playoff performer than James Harden is. Both of them when the lights shine the brightest and when the rubber has to meet the road at come postseason time, whether they're playing in April, May and June, or August, September, October. Well, not October, but August, September or or April and May, they nev they ne whether it's in Toyota Center, at Oracle, or in the bubble in the in Orlando, they never they never, ever, ever deliver the goods. And that's that's the way it's been, and that's and unfair or not, that's the way their career is going to be remembered unless unless some drastic changes. But if I am the Houston Rockets, I would not go anywhere near Getting James Harden, I don't care how I don't care how much money he wants. I don't care how I I could care less. He's not a championship basketball player, and him with the two dynamic personalities and KD, Kyrie Irving in the market that is New York City, that's not going to bode well. It just isn't. I'm sorry, it's not going to bode well. Too many egos, too many guys on that team that want the basketball at the same time. Again, just because you play well three on three. You know, in your driveway during uh during quarantine doesn't mean it's going to translate well in the NBA on the hardwood. You know, five on five with two extra teammates you got to play with five guys on the opposition in front of well, it won't be the, it won't be at the start of this season, but you know, in general, in front of a sold out in in front of a sold out arena every single night. This won't happen. As far as the draft is concerned, you got the draft tonight. Warriors favored to win, a cha- win the NBA championship, having the second pick in the draft. Timberwolves have the number one pick. Charlotte has uh, number three. Bulls have number four. Cavs have five. Hawks have six. Pistons have seven. Knicks, the lowly Knicks have eight. The Wizards have nine. Uh, Suns have 10. Spurs have 11. Kings have 12. Pelicans have 13. Uh the uh the Celtics get a pick from Memphis at 14, Magic have a pick at 15, uh the Portland Trailblazers have a pick at 16, and then of course uh they got the uh Timberwolves a pick from Brooklyn at 17, uh Mavericks at 18, Nets at 19, Heat at 20, 76ers 21, uh from OKC, Denver gets a pick from Houston at twenty-two Knicks get a pick from Utah at 23. Uh, Bucks get a pick from Indiana at 24. Uh, the, the Thunder get a pick from Denver 25. Celtics at 26. Uh, Jazz get a pick from the, the Knicks through the Clippers at 27. Lakers, of course, the champions at 28. And uh, let's see, Raptors at 29. And then last pick goes to the Celtics. From uh, Milwaukee, as, as the last pick to wrap up the uh, to wrap up the first round of the NBA draft, which starts tonight. Um, I could uh, and to be quite, I couldn't break. You know, I leave Stephen A. Smith to break down uh, who should go where. I am not. You know, I I haven't seen the the little college basketball that was played. I can recall probably watching maybe a game or two. No March Madness, which is one of the which also helps the the average fan and yours truly get to know these players a lot through March Madness and the exposure of playing in the NCAA tournament. Didn't have that of course because of coronavirus. So I've heard of some of the names, but I can't be quite honest with you. Break down their play basket for basket, uh, you know, and break down every asset, you know, how's their rebounding, how's their three point who how's their jump shot, how's their mid range, how's their three ball, how's their free throws, you know, can they rebound? I can't I can't do that you know if the with the forwards and the centers how well can they post up in the paint I can't do that for you, but um but you you got the draft it's tonight, It's sporting event I guess you you know like you you know I mean yeah NFL draft so you got a sporting event on tonight you can be glued to the TV on ESPN same way the NFL did it virtual you know where where the peop where the broadcasters are at the ESPN campus and it's all Virtual inside of people's houses, like just like the NFL was. So, you're into the draft tonight. Knock yourself out. Um, I'll read up on it. And I'll get the Twitter updates. But I'm not sitting hour upon hour watching the NBA draft. My behind is going to be watching, the newest episode of Chicago PD on uh, NBC. So I will have myself. Uh, I will be um, situated as far as my Wednesday night entertainment. Uh, is concerned and then, of course you have Thursday night between the Cardinals and the Seahawks and then a couple in Sunday of course you have the NFL and Saturday and your college football and carry yourself from there on in. That is your episode of the Amatelic and TIS podcast. you like what you heard, please subscribe. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it Follow the show on Instagram at Amatelic underscore podcast. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. It's your boy, Josh Shields. This has been another episode of the Amatelic ATIS Podcast. Talk to y'all Saturday. Be safe. Y'all take care.